0: golly. Are we
1: doing it?
0: Is it going? Uh, I would have chosen a different phrase, but that's just me.
1: It's <laughs> what we're going with.
0: So, was watching a, another Exorcist movie as bad as you thought it would be?
1: No, not at all. Actually, not nearly as traumatizing as it was for my 16-year-old self when I watched the first one.
0: Kind of uh bummed out by that actually i was hoping it just really ruined your life again tonight but
1: i i did want to cry at one point so that was that's a win
0: can't wait to talk about that
1: ah, great right, here
0: we go. cheers pal cheers i'm happy you're here happy halloween mm-hmm.
1: ah, that's great
0: god bless america let's save the other half for later the other half <laughs>
1: resources
0: oh don't worry we have plenty of booze here there's no shortage of alcohol in this household i can tell you that much
1: so happy to hear it
0: it's not my fault welcome back to the johnny horror podcast i am your host johnny horror Maresca, and with me tonight
1: is katie Maresca.
0: oh wow a relation (laughs) I can't even believe it. Um, wow, it's been like, uh, I don't know, I've I've done a handful of episodes, not a hundred. I haven't done a hundred episodes, but I've done a lot of episodes, and this is the first one you're on. How, how does that make you feel? Do you I mean, feel a little uh, left out <laughs> up until this point? I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> if you're going to bring it up, we can talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if we need to do a whole family therapy session right now, Um, but uh, I'm happy you're here.
1: I'm honored. I'm very excited. Yeah. Hell
0: yeah. It's uh, great. You know, uh, we've had you on the show Mm -hmm. a couple of times on the the actual Johnny Horror show Mm -hmm. Um, for as many as the other Johnny Horror insert what have you (laughs) yeah isms um so uh yeah you've been on that and um you know it's really great to have you here on the Mm -hmm. podcast because it's halloween time Mm -hmm. and we're talking scary movies which is what this podcast is all about Mm -hmm. so um first and foremost What's your favorite scary movie?
1: Ah jeez. Um I think the first thing that probably comes to mind is out of the newer things that I've seen probably Hereditary. Um just as far as things that have like genuinely shaken me to my core and upset me, probably that. Um like weird com- comfort horror movies is a totally different story. I think I I love The Witch. That's just it's the creepiest, like slow burn in the entire world.
0: There's a there's a definitely a whole like a whole vibe about the witch that mm. is yeah. just it, it it has a very Halloween like fall yeah. vibe and I agree, like it does fall into elevated horror which totally. i know you lower end millennials are just all about because i am also a millennial but yeah, i feel like yeah. i feel like the bottom half of the millennials are definitely all about the elevated horror um hereditary the witch yeah Baba uh midsmar um, yeah ari aster is uh great and mm-hmm. i love all of those movies but um I will say that I genuinely enjoy watching the Witch,, yeah. where hereditary yeah. is ah. a little bit of a chore, <laughs> yeah um, for as masterful as it is. Um, but very cool. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, good to know with that going in. Um, and one other quick thing before we jump into uh, the main event, Uh, It's Halloween time. We're here. This is going to be being aired in like one of the last weeks of September. Um, Maybe just on the cusp of October. Mm -hmm. Right in the thick of spooky season, do you have any Halloween traditions that you like?
1: I think everybody does pumpkin carving. Um, I think that it's just everybody needs to do that that's right of passage um probably just that and getting kind of uh drunk on like some nice kind of fall themed ciders like Trader Joe's has a really good I don't know if it's a pumpkin cider but they have a cider that they carry every year I think it's like I forget the name of it they, cre- they carry it every year. I forget what it's called, but they have, like, a Halloween-themed cider that to- they have. So, drinking that on an annual basis and then doing pumpkin carving. Um,
0: yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I dig it. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, you can add watching scary movies with your brother to that, because mm-hmm. I think that is something we do every year, because yeah. I make a point to, at least with some of my, my favorite people... Um, try to have a night where, you know, my friends or family come over and we watch scary movies and have drinks and a lot of this stuff. 99.9% of the time it'll be something I have seen and that someone else has not seen, such as the case tonight. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Which I thank you for because I feel like there are a lot of things that I would have not otherwise been exposed to. I feel like I have certain things that I... Pick out that I'm like oh I want to see that movie I want to see that movie but you always have me watch things that I would like never think to watch like tonight's movie I would have never thought to watch on my own and everything that you've had me watch I've been like oh wow that's like now one of my favorite movies that I've ever seen so I appreciate that
0: hell yeah man Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being a open to uh to checking out new things because yeah. you know a lot of times people are always like and i mean i'm guilty of this too like oh totally. yeah i'll check that out and then you know you never, never do. do yeah totally um but it is fun to you know to kind of be in the position where you're invited over to hang out and like you know booze and food are provided and all you I have know. to do is sit and watch this movie yeah <laughs> you know uh you know that could be uh you know a trap for some people where they're like well what the fuck are you going to show me and yeah. i know that i've shown you uh, a couple of different things what did we watch last year uh nightmare on elm street you hadn't seen that the original was before. that last year i think that was last year yeah i think
1: we just watched that pretty recently no,
0: no i'm pretty sure it was last year It was last halloween wow
1: yeah, know, time right? flies sure does yeah and you you definitely i'm not as versed in like classic horror so you've you've definitely helped me um a little bit more cultured in that way for sure because that definitely, like you said, my tendency is to go towards more what was the term you used?
0: Uh, elevated horror, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's more what I, I gravitate towards. So sorry, I, I,
0: uh, every now and then I get the little, the little <laughs> OCD bug. So we're recording, right? Um, so I just gotta double check that every now and then. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so. I am trying to put together just a a couple of different podcasts with uh, some of my favorite people um, for this Halloween 2022. Um, Some movies that, you know, again, my friends and family have not seen, but I have seen. And that are some of my favorite movies to go back and rewatch, particularly during Halloween season. And this movie that we're talking about tonight, The Exorcist 3, is one of those movies. Um, Now, this is the first time you had the opportunity to watch The Exorcist Mm 3. But, excuse me, you have seen the original exorcist yep Mm -hmm. now just without going too much into your trauma uh, (laughs) give give us a brief rundown of what that first watch of the original exorcist was like for you
1: so for anybody who doesn't know um uh we we grew up with a kind of conservative household like we didn't grow up watching a lot of the movies that like kids our age either had access to or their parents like watched with them whatever so like we were fairly sheltered so this was one of my first scary movies that I had ever watched and I was petrified to watch it I watched it at my best friend's house when I was like in high school probably like 15 or 16 and I remember my best friend at the time like she her parents let her watch whatever like she was totally comfortable she loved horror movies and she, um, she and our other friends that were there that night were like, oh, let's watch the exorcist. And of course, like I was shitting my pants on the inside. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, yeah, this is fine. This is great. And I, I think like there were parts that I probably missed cause I probably like pretended to have to go to the bathroom or something like that. So I probably missed like chunks towards the end, but it, uh, traumatized me. <laughs> so scary
0: yeah for years i my my watch is a little bit different i think i saw it a little bit younger than you um Mm. i think i watched it when i was probably about 14 or 15 i think it was about i think it was about 14 when i saw it yeah um and uh it was a movie that i had watched part of it during the day Mm -hmm. and part of it was at at my friend's house during the day and um i don't I think there was a good chunk of time that passed before I went back and uh, finished re-watching it. I can't quite remember, but um, I ended up watching the rest of it by myself in my room at nighttime when I lived um, with with Dad. and It was just me and Dad. And this wasn't when we lived in Mojave, so we weren't out and alone in the desert. But, um... we were kind of in, uh, in an apartment uh, complex at the time. Mm, yeah. But um, the
1: one in the court cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And uh, watching the film itself, like, was scary. But I still felt like I did okay. Yeah. But it was later that night when I was trying to go to sleep, <laughs> and yeah. it just, yeah, it was not happening. Yeah. That's like the I don't I even know what business I had. Like turning out the lights and trying to go to sleep. Like, of course you're just going to leave your TV on all night long with yeah. your lights on all night long. Why would you even bother trying to do anything different? Yeah. Um, so, and then, I mean, I've talked about at length uh, on my YouTube channel the effect that Pazuzu had on yeah. me and how uh, scary I thought the the face of the demon is in The Exorcist. Still to this day... Um, scariest thing that I've ever laid eyes upon. Here's the sh- <laughs> here it is, right here. Here's the face. Uh, um, but now you know you kind of embrace the thing that that scares you. Still, there are points. Uh, that you know, I have a of a drape that has uh, Reagan possessed and the Pazuzu face. Is above and it's a Halloween decoration and um, sometimes we put it out during (laughs) Halloween and sometimes we don't because depending on where we decide to place it, it could really fuck up your day. You just... Feel like something is watching you, you know.
1: When you had it up at your old house, whatever, like even to a couple years ago, like I would not want to go to the because it was in the hallway to, to get to, the, to bathroom. the
0: bathroom. Yeah,
1: and I would be, I don't fucking want to go over there. <laughs>
0: like, it It'd be like, like no during go. like an actual like a Halloween party where there's a group of people. Yeah. is when we would have it up. You'd be like, um, fine. because we wouldn't have it up during the season because it's just too much, man. Yeah. It is really like legit too much to have that thing up all season. I've done it before. Yeah and it's been rough but anyways i digress uh tonight i told you that we were watching the exorcist 3 and your uh uh first words out of your mouth were fuck off um (laughs) which i thought was a great response um so you and i both agree that like the exorcist is probably like one of the scariest movies ever made 100 percent um you know, and again, that probably goes back to our religious upbringing. I mean, I'm not religious anymore. I'm full blown atheist. I don't <laughs> believe in life after death, but I still think that there is shit out there that is evil and it's bad, and there's stuff on the other side, if it's another dimension, what have you. Um, it's why i won't fuck around with ouija boards yeah. or anything we have one here in the house i don't even like it being here in the I house
1: I that's kind of like across the board no pun intended across the board people kind of don't fuck with them for that reason alone. yeah it's
0: just a bad idea yeah. so if you do it uh god bless uh, more power <laughs> to you but uh yeah so the exorcist three is what we're talking about tonight and mm-hmm. we're going to jump right on into this so without further ado in the film a bunch of random ass killings start to happen and a detective has to go about and figure out who is doing the murdering and killing and blah 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 you've seen it all before but this time it's got fucking demons so um (laughs) Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, before we uh, talk about the behind the scenes and the making of the film, you and I are gonna discuss the things we liked, the things we didn't like, and um, yeah, so why don't you go ahead and hit me with your likes right out the gate?
1: Um, let's see, pull it up on yeah, your phone, yeah. yeah. Um, so I have a couple notes. They are complete jibber-jabber. So let's see.
0: Jibber-jabber is better than no jabber, I would say.
1: So one of my notes that I wrote is a bunch of pies and anchovies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you wrote that in your good. You wrote that in your, your good? I
1: did. And my good is, is very big. My my bad is almost non-existent. Um, so my So
0: start at the top and, you know, uh, tell me... Um, while you're going through that, I gotta kind of get my notes, yeah. situated because they're not yeah. popping up over here. But tell me, um, go th- go through um, line by line, and if you feel you need to elaborate <laughs> on something, then Probably do so. Will. Uh, pies and anchovies <laughs> I had in my randoms because I just thought it was a great bit of dialogue that yeah. made no fucking sense whatsoever. But it was yeah. coming from a lady with dementia, so who gives a fuck?
1: And I want to know, I want to know if that's like an old timey saying or if that's just something like totally off the cusp that they put in there. That's what I'm really curious about. Um, I was, like, completely engulfed in the movie, so my notes are are pretty um, scarce, but let's see. Um, What I loved, and this is kind of just, like, overall, is I love that they didn't do that much hand-holding. I feel like that can be kind of a, a... sucky thing in horror movies sometimes is when they handhold a little too much and i feel like in this they gave you clues in the beginning without being overly without over explaining anything so i i loved that i loved like with the in the beginning with the details with the oars you see the the rowers in the very beginning Mm -hmm. and then when they're in the diner you see like a shot of it's like a painting of like rowers or something and you can kind of get from the very beginning, like there's some significance with it, but it isn't explained to you until later on when they're talking about the, the death of the boy, how he was crucified on the, the oars. I mm-hmm. thought that was fantastic. I thought that was really well done. Um, <laughs> one of my other goods is, uh, I have a note that says man in wheelchair flashing the nurse.
0: <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a pretty good little bit right there.
1: Um, Overall I think there was just a really good balance of for how heavy this movie is. I mean like right from the start talking about the killer is decapitating people there's a really good balance of like humor and chemistry between the characters in the movie. Yeah. Um so it's not it's not all heavy like you um between the detective and the the priest who's his friend. Mhm. They have great banter, and they have really, really good Mm. chemistry. Yeah,
0: that was one of my notes, is that um, Ed Flanders, who plays Father Dyer, and George C. Scott, who plays um, uh, Detective Bill Kinderman, uh, Mm -hmm. their chemistry is just some of the most genuinely good um, chemistry that I've seen on film, where it just feels... Yeah. Like, these two have been friends yeah. for many, many years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, one, of, one of my notes that I kind of had as, like, I put it under my bads, um, but I, I didn't think of it as all bad. It's just something that in watching and re-watching this movie for years is that um, the dialogue is so, like, it's too real. Almost that these, that they're making quips and comments and things that like, if you don't have background, we don't know half the shit that they're referencing unless you're just like from that time.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and so many of them are quips and just like backhanded, you know, uh, comments and this, that, or the other. And they're so hard to keep up with. And it is so Natural. Yeah. And so believable because that is how people talk. Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, from a a viewer standpoint, you're like, what the fuck are these assholes talking about? (laughs) You feel a little stupid. You do feel left out as an audience member, and Mm -hmm. you're kind of, like, you know, scratching your head. So, in that regard, it does kind of alienate the viewer, and that's why I had it as, like, a a negative Mm -hmm. in that respect. Um... But overall, it does lend itself to the believability. And that's why where you can kind of see where um, um, William Peter Bladley, who wrote both novels, The Exorcist and Legion, which Mm. is what this film is based off of, um, you can kind of see him showing his hand a little bit there because he's really good with writing that believable dialogue because as a novelist you have to be able to write engaging, believable dialogue. You can't write movie dialogue when you're writing a novel. Yeah. um, Because (laughs) it's not, you know, it's not engaging. With film, you can show things while having shitty dialogue, you know? Think any generic action movie. Um, As a a novel, you have to be able to, to paint a picture, essentially, that sticks in people's minds. Yeah. So, um you can tell, like, how good he is at at doing that dialogue. Again, it yeah. does kind of push, like, create this barrier because they're like, all right, cool, well, these guys are clearly friends and um, I'm not part of their their crowd, basically. Yeah. But I agree 100% that their, their chemistry is... Like, so unbeatable, and I would have loved to just watch a movie with the About two of them, them. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole time, but please continue because my notes are not showing up on the computer over here, so
1: yeah. Um, I think honestly, that was like
0: you said you had a lot of good notes.
1: I had a lot of really good notes. Um, one of the things that I loved was. How little, I mean, they're, they alluded to it a little bit, like of some of the supernatural stuff, but nothing truly supernatural happened until that one scene where he's talking to one of the other priests and they mention Reagan and Reagan's family name. And then immediately after that is when you have that scene with the door that's opening and you see the paper kind of start to mm-hmm. float a little bit. And that's when kind of the spooky stuff starts happening. I loved that. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was a really nice ode to the first movie. Um, let's see. <laughs> I do have, I have one bad note on here, but it's actually, it's just a little bit, it makes sense with the character. I think his name is Temple, the...
0: Yes. The guy... I, I, I had, uh, some notes on Dr. Temple as well. hmm Um, that were of the negative variety, unfortunately. <laughs> um... But yeah, go ahead. Tell me um, what
1: you got. The only, the only thing I had about Temple was, and I, I thought his character did great for what it was meant to in the movie. My yes,
0: <laughs> absolutely, it definitely fulfills that. Slimey. What what he's supposed to be, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but my only note that I had was, <laughs> who has a portrait of themselves in their own office?
0: <laughs> I think that is very much. I think it's absolutely supposed to be this this very telling character detail. However, I think it would have been better um, had it not been so prevalent. Like yeah. they do this this you know downward pan across it or upward pan yeah. something like that. Very close up to reveal it and then he's standing next to it sort of a deal like, um, okay. if it had just kind of been in the background and is like one of those details you're like is that is really that, there does that <laughs> motherfucker have a picture of himself yeah up there um i think that would have been maybe just a little bit more effective as it stands and i mean this is one of those those nice little like this that whole scene is one of my uh Was one of my notes too? Yeah. Um, Was I just love him rehearsing his speech? Yeah. Um, And like watching you like realize what was happening as as he says it a couple of different times, and then Kinderman comes in and sits down, and then he starts (laughs) saying the speech, and then like having it click for you because for someone like me who's seen this movie, you know, uh, you know, at least a dozen times, Mm -hmm. um to have you kind of, like, realize what was happening and get the joke, that whole scene does kind of have a, a levity to itself yeah. that is nice because it is immediately, like, this movie, this is a fucking dark movie. Yeah. Um, so any beats that you get, that's why, I like, all the banter between um, Dyer and Kinnerman that is up front is is really, really nice because the further we go into this movie, the darker Dance. it gets. Yeah. Um, and that really is one of the last, like, scenes with a little bit of uh, lightheartedness, if you can call it that. Um, before Throughout the entire movie. Yeah, before yeah. before we dive into what is the, really you know, fucking dark-ass monologuing, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: yep. yeah.
0: shit toward the end. Um, Which
1: he did a wonderful job with by the way, like, given, I think that kind of character can be kind of tricky, like, I think the the bloodthirsty madman trope thing can be really difficult sometimes, because I think everybody, it's played a very specific way most of the time, and we've, we've seen it a lot of the times, but I think he did a, a great job with, yeah. like, how much dialogue he had to get through, and the fact that it's just a like a long shot of his face the entire time he did a beautiful job
0: yeah i um that that was another good note that i had Mm -hmm. which was um that brad dorf the actor actor. who plays um the gemini killer is just so fucking incredible Mm -hmm. in that role everything is so passionate and the from the crying to the fucking snot like he just has tears coming down his face and it's not any like it's just the pure raw emotion Mm -hmm. of it all it's not that he's um in any way shape or form uh you know empathetic to anything that he's done to anyone he's Harmed? He's clearly not, but it's just this this pure visceral emotion mm-hmm. that is just coming through um, in this performance, and it is so fucking amazingly acted. Yeah. Um, and Brad Dorf with all of his his great great roles um from the obvious uh um portrayal as uh charles lee ray aka chucky the killer doll in the child's play and chucky franchise
1: which that was a a great
0: um (laughs) they do have a little easter egg with him saying like child's play at some point um which i'm
1: glad you mentioned that to me because i i it would have gone over my head and i thought that was great that they snuck that in there
0: yeah um because i think at this point uh, yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, because I think at this point there'd probably been like th- at at least one child's play movie, if not two. Because I yeah. think it came in in uh 1988. Um, and this movie was released 90? in 90.
1: When was the original one released? Like 79?
0: Uh, uh, The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, 1973.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So this was I was I was going to ask you that because I wanted to know. In the movie, it was fifteen years from when the original events happened.
0: Yeah, so I so wanted to know. So this is this is pretty much on that track record. This is like seventeen years.
1: Does from. this movie have the same kind of? I'm I'm the term is escaping me, but like the first movie has so much, like stuff that happened with the actors, like weird cursed. Like lore and stuff like that behind the first movie? Is there any of that with this movie?
0: Um, this one, I don't know as much about that. I don't think yeah. there was. I mean, I know it was a little bit of a troubled production, and we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably find out more than we already know, which is uh, the, the hope. But I know that it did have a little bit of troubled production because of just um, studio interference but um uh before we move on to that any other goods that you have on your list yeah keep on keep on hitting me with what you got
1: um some of it is just lines so god the the actor who um played kinderman like what what a good lead yeah that
0: that was uh that was another one of my um my my notes same no. was George C Scott is just a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. But please, yeah, tell me tell me more about how you felt about his performance. Just,
1: I mean, he's like you. You had said something when we were watching it. You had said like uh, there's the scene where uh, he's talking to. Um, one of the ladies in the Saint asylum, and um, she's like, "Oh, are you my son?" or says something to that effect, and he says, "I'd I'd be proud if I was, or I'd be," yeah. th- so like that is, like he delivered that so well and so charmingly. Um, and yeah. then he, the <laughs> one of my notes that I have is, it's not in the file. It is not like when he gets upset with um, the the nurse, the like uh-huh. bitchy nurse that's uh-huh. in the movie. He's just, he just—he has such like great range. Like he goes from being just this like big old charming sweetheart guy, and then you know he has moments of fits of rage where he's a detective and he can't figure out what the fuck is going on because yeah. it's obviously impossible to figure out what's going on. Um, so he he just at ten out of ten for him. He was so charming and you just loved him as a lead so much. He was great.
0: Yeah, he is one of like. I'm gonna say old timey actors. He's yeah. not like old timey, but from from, gosh, I mean, he won the Academy Award for playing um, General Patton in the film Patton. Um, I know him in Twelve Angry Men. Uh, he's in a film called a horror film that is like very very well regarded that I have actually yet to see. I know what it's all about. I've just I haven't taken the time to sit down and watch it. Called The Changeling. Hmm. About haunted house, and um, he, I, <laughs> he's in what I consider to be the original Christmas horror movie, um, or at least one of the, the the versions of the original Christmas horror story. Um, uh, he plays Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. Oh my
1: god! Like, yeah. Is that the one that we watched uh-huh. when we were g- this whole
0: time? <laughs> you're like, it was oh, it's so me familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: makes perfect sense because I I recognized him and I couldn't think whether I recognized him from a younger version of him or like the same age and that that adds up yeah
0: Yeah. which
1: was the scariest fucking movie
0: that movie gave me nightmares like legit (laughs) nightmares It
1: scared, the, how much it scared you scared me. Yeah. Like, I think I walked in on it on one of the scary scenes one time, and I was like, nope, I don't, I don't want yeah. anything to do with
0: this. Yeah, no, um, we can, we can, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cycle back around uh, during December <laughs> to talk about my fucking trauma with <laughs> Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol God. and Jacob Marley ruining my life. We'll talk about the how I couldn't even watch the goddamn Disney version where Goofy was Jacob Marley because I was so fucking scared. Uh, Johnny oh Horror over here was kind of a wuss as a youngster. Kissing the
2: fucking bed.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have a whole episode uh, committed to Good times. The, Good times. the Disney movies that scared the piss out of me. <laughs> um, Fuck. But, yeah, George C. Scott, his uh, – what what you said perfectly encapsulates it. His range of motion uh, – or his range of acting, I should mm-hmm. say um, – is so, so, so incredible because how it, – it's, it's from beat to beat, all in one scene. There's the, – yeah. the bit that I love is when they're all in the doctor's office and they're kind of, like, arguing about stuff and the doctor's like, you can't have – all these cops here, you know. I understand you're trying to, to, you know, figure out to to prevent any more harm. But this is this is a hospital, not a war zone. Yep. And um, and George C. Scott is trying to talk to him about this, and he keeps on interrupting him. Keeps yep. on interrupting him, and then George C. Scott like just like cracks, and he's like, "Well, you just shut up!" And like has a moment of him like like
1: said, breaking down me.
0: and like almost crying because you know he's dealing with the death of his best friend and trying to bring this killer to justice and he has no answers and this asshole will not (laughs) let him talk yeah and it's just this great bit of humanity that is so believable that you you wouldn't you wouldn't get that from an actor from your average actor these days i mean with the exception being um uh oh god why why can't i even think her name the main actress from hereditary um, oh fuck. Yeah. I na- like now nothing. I'm, I'm like so, so embarrassed, but like, off. it's just like anytime I, I have to think of someone's name on the spot. Um, uh, and I've had alcohol. So, um, <laughs> but that, that sort of like range, you, you just, you just don't see in this, this day and age. Yeah. So, cause
1: you know them. That man, like you, you know what it looks like mm-hmm. when a, a grown man loses a shit for two seconds, and that's exactly what it looks like. He did such a good job, Tony Collette. There we go.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll be able to sleep tonight, and uh, hopefully, I won't be murdered by the uh, Instagram crowd. Like Tony Collette, canceled. <laughs> uh I'm. We're gonna take a quick, quick teeny split second break so i can get my notes on my computer because if i don't have those i am lost and i currently don't have those and that's why i'm babbling even more so than i usually do so give us a quick second and we'll be right back boy pal we are recording look at us go i know it um sorry about that that quick break i my notes were not popping up on my computer and uh now i got them so we're back in action folks um do you have any other good stuff for me that you want to you want to hit me with really quick
1: um i'm sure i do uh, bup, 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 bup. oh 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 um, something that I really loved was the scene with, uh, the nurse whose name was Amy Keating. No. Wasn't, that was a brilliant the, way to
0: do the that. The, the greatest jump scare in the history of cinema.
1: And I was annoyed because I knew it was happening. Like, I knew the fake, like, the fake out happened and I was like, okay, here it comes. And it, it still got me.
0: Yeah. Um, that is... Like, when that scene came up, I was just, like, so excited. Yeah. So excited to just have it play out in front of you. It is one of the best directed scenes I've ever seen in a horror movie. The patience that it has to set you up, to build tension, relieve it with a massive jump scare that leads into a laugh, and then ease you back into a comfortable setting because then it brings in the cop. And the cops there,
1: and you're like, oh, and you're like, okay, cool, it's fine,
0: it's okay, but you're still on this this shot,
1: but because they tell you her name is Amy Keating, uh-huh. and before that you didn't know that, and you're like, oh well, you're fucked,
0: yeah, you're fucked, exactly. But they bring the cop in, so you're like, all right, cool, maybe it's gonna be okay, yeah. And they just keep that 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 one shot. They just keep it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, this can't be good, yeah. But why? The cop's there. And then the other cop comes. And then the cop leaves. And you're like, oh, no. But then the cop comes back. And you're like, oh, okay. And then he's gone. And you're like, oh, fuck. And this is all happening while she's doing her thing.
1: In one shot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're distracted. And then in comes just a fucking horrific ghost-like figure with a tremendous sound effect. Just fucking money. I... uh, Mm -hmm. That... Scene to this day, I know it's coming, I I can time it and know when everything's gonna happen, and it still gives me the chills because it is it is a fucking scary scene.
1: I didn't even want to look at you because I I like <laughs> was on the ver- I had like a singular tear in my eye.
0: <laughs> I could tell because like the, the the way you get scared, and it was the same thing when we watched Insidious for the first yep, time. That's exactly what when I was, I was say. waiting for you to like fucking <laughs> scream. <laughs> with the the lipstick demon scare i was waiting for you to scream and be like oh fuck you or jump out of your seat and you didn't you just sat there and i like looked over at you and you were just like in this state of trauma (laughs) and this was the same thing where like i was like waiting for you to say something and you still didn't say anything i just kind of like slowly (laughs) looked over you're like i don't want to talk about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh it was so good like that's that's what that's what gets me is that there could have been a million, million ways for them to do that. Like, they could have introduced it earlier in the film. They could have said her name was, you know, what. Uh-huh. They, uh-huh. they, they mention Amy at some point, but you don't know who Amy is. You don't yeah. know, like, how it correlates whatsoever. And then in that scene, all of a sudden, you find everything out and you're like, oh, well, fuck. Yeah. 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 So it was, that was great. That was one of my other um, notes about goods in the film because that just absolutely traumatize my entire life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like that is when I was telling you about this movie and I was telling you that like horror fans know this movie and horror fans love this movie. Like yeah, real true totally. horror fans, like they understand and they get it. But like your average like person they've heard of The Exorcist. hmm. Maybe they've heard of The Exorcist too and know that it's shitty.
2: Yeah.
0: Odds are that they'd have no idea that there's one of the best scares in movie history in The Exorcist three. And you know?
1: I, I would never I mean I think sequels have such a bad rep so I would never go out of my way to watch this movie. Yeah. just on its own and yeah. I think as a movie it it stands really really strong on its own like I I remember so few details of the very first movie um and this movie just was so strong on its own.
0: Yeah. Uh I I agree completely. Mhm. Um, what are I, your good? I got some good stuff here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've talked a little bit about some of them. Obviously, uh, I do have the opening is incredibly effective at building yep. a sense of dread and unease. Just like the walking down that path at at nighttime.
1: Even the like do not enter thing yeah. was like ugh.
0: Yeah, and uh, you have that that creepy voiceover. Yep. Um, and. Just this kind of like heavy breathing sort of thing. Yep. Um, very just creepy, foreboding. Um, the confession booth scene oh, wow. is fucking scary as shit. Yeah. Uh, how it, it starts with, you just, again, with a lot of scenes in this movie, you just kind of like walk in knowing like something doesn't quite feel right, but you're not w- quite sure what it is. And then her voice, the old lady's voice just gets fucking maniacal and, like, has that evil cackle, um, and you see the priest's face, like, look in horror as Uh he, like, sees what we as an audience don't see, but we can kind of fucking decide what we want to see there.
1: Oh, I just realized something. I, I didn't realize that until just now, but she's another old person.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's, that's my favorite thing.
0: You even see her, the actual old lady, after she leaves the booth. She, she has no idea what's back. going on. She has Yeah, no she looks idea. back and she has no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great bit. Uh, the I whole love thing. That. I it's, love it's that. It's so well thought out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful.
0: Um, the thing that I like about this movie is that it looks and feels and sounds like a direct sequel to the original film. Yeah. Like the sound effects that they use, the cinematography, um, just everything feels lived in the same way i'm sure it's because they i'm sure they shot it in washington dc we'll find out um when we do the behind the scenes and everything Mm. where where the original film took place um you even have you know the same staircase and everything from the first one which the fucking staircase drop the guy falling down the staircase i feel like that if It wasn't pulled directly from the original film. I don't think it was, because it looks like new footage. And that staircase drop that they do in this is insane. Because that guy just fucking throws himself down a set of stone stairs and just goes for it. And it does not look fun at all.
1: Yeah, I was wondering how they did that.
0: Um, But yeah, this movie just, it feels intertwined with the the first film in a way that uh, most movies 15 years or almost 20 years really uh later would not feel like mm-hmm. um we talked about the the chemistry between um at flanders and george c scott um my other favorite low-key scare from the movie is the joker statue that oh my is God. in the <laughs> fucking church that was another thing that i
1: was like and I don't like that. But. It is
0: a blink, and you will miss it. Yeah. Fucking horrifying, like Joker looking statue in a robe with a knife in the middle of like a Catholic church building. Yeah. Um, obviously, it is the demon projecting itself in that space, but it is still just out of left field, and it's fucking terrifying as shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we talked about the doctor rehearsing his speech, we talked about George C. Scott and Brad Dorff, and that is like the, the, that's what I have for my standouts for the good in this movie. I think that overall, this movie is a very, very, very solid picture, and we'll get more into my final rankings later on, but there's so much good in this movie, there's so much weird stuff in this movie, the dream sequence, um
1: which I thought was very well done. Like I yeah. feel like dream sequences can sometimes be kind of like
0: yeah, and it just has there's like any good dream sequences that really kind of lean into what a dream really is, there's elements of reality mixed with stuff that doesn't quite make sense. Feel right. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, uh from the acting to the storytelling to the cinematography to the music, uh or lack thereof there's really not a lot of music in this picture um yeah i think there's there's a lot a lot of good stuff in this Mm -hmm. um let's quickly run through what bad stuff we have what do you have for bad
1: my only my only true bad thing that i had um was one scene towards the end um which i'll circle back to but my only bad thing that I had was something that I mentioned earlier which was the like serial killer thing I feel like is uh, that character can be kind of difficult can be kind of difficult sometimes because I feel like it's such a narrow thing like it's like a, a crazy person who lacks empathy and, and thinks it's funny or, or entertaining to kill like I think and I recognize the time that this movie was made too but I feel like that that thing can be kind of overdone but it's like
0: maybe over the top that yeah. sort of aesthetic
1: yeah um yeah and that that whole thing just it, uh, that character is M- kind of well known
0: as much um character development as much depth like this is yeah. like a one yeah, exactly. character sort of a deal
1: yeah th- exactly yeah i think it, i don't think there was a lot of depth that's my only thing is i would have liked to have known like maybe a little bit more about um that character like i know we know he wanted to kill people because of his dad had a last name that started with k and he hated his dad but i feel like if we had gone like a little bit deeper with that character it would have made him it would have just
0: added some significance See, that right there is that millennial like <laughs> elevated horror bullshit we're like we need to know more about this I character i yeah uh I can kind of see where you mean, where just like he does kind of have this one note sort of thing, but also we are dealing with multiple characters inside one individual that we kind of have to cycle through. Totally. And you definitely need kind of like, you know, can't get too sucked into, you know, this guy. Because he really does need to be a villain, because we need to remember that yeah. he's doing these horrendous, terrible things, and he already talks enough as it is without going really. into why he's doing, doing what everything. he's doing.
1: And if it was today, he would have his own movie. He would have yeah. his own like backstory yeah, exactly. and origin It would be, story.
0: Uh, it would be, God, what is the, uh, God, I just suck this, uh, mind, mind something it's the the <laughs> the netflix one oh really. uh
1: Mindfuck. Mindfuck. mind fuck,
0: mind fuck yeah. nope, not that nope. uh, i know exactly what yeah. you're talking about um with the book off. all the serial killers and it's very very well done and i'm it's one of my very, favorite shows uh, upset that they aren't <laughs> uh, that they aren't doing a third season um but I digress. This is
1: pissing me off. Yeah, a look
0: bunch. it up. Uh, please. We're
1: stupid here on the show. We
0: suck. Um, Mine Hunter. There you go. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Legitimately one of my favorites. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so for my bad stuff, I said there's a terrible Photoshop picture right out the gate. Like the very first picture you see like when it shows George C. Scott at the very beginning of the movie, before he even says a line of dialogue, he picks up a picture of him and damien and it's just like a, just the worst photoshop i'm like oh my god both their faces are like glowing because they pulled them from different lights um uh let me see um we already talked about kind of like my misgivings with how the dialogue could alienate uh certain viewers yeah um
1: which i really only got in like the f- like it, it
0: really is it really is like front-loaded because i mean yeah. it is you know uh father dyer and um uh kinderman you know mean um, kinderman has a little bit of that dialogue when when he's first introduced in the uh police station with everyone and how he's talking man. at talking with everyone you're like I, dude i don't understand what like what the fuck are you talking about 17 of these references you're making <laughs> right now um uh the smoking doctor looks like he's never held a cigarette in his oh, life. Oh, how
1: is he holding uh, it? Like this?
0: I just, he's, like, holding it like this, and, like, also, like, the Loser. way he's smoking it, like, he's not inhaling, but they make this whole bit about him, like, relighting a cigarette with his old cigarette to yeah. show that he's just constantly smoking, yet yeah, I'm like, I've, I've never believed someone was a, a clinical, or a... a you know what what I mean, like... <laughs> a physician? No, like, they... they
1: oh, a uh, chain smoker, chronic. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. chronic. There yeah. you go, a chronic smoker in uh, my entire life. Like, the man just was like, oh, God, I gotta seem tough like for these cops. The so. reason
1: you smoke is to look cool, and you're really yeah, not doing yourself any favors. That is,
0: I would say that is 95% <laughs> of why people smoke, or get into smoking. I would absolutely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh again, this kind of goes back to when the movie was made, but I mean we had the conjuring movies coming out uh still fairly often, one came out last year, but I cannot get behind Catholic priests as good guys. I just can't do it. Not anymore. I just can't do it. I do not care if a child is being infected with a demon.
1: Oh my god. Keep... <laughs>
0: the fucking catholic church out of it (laughs) absolutely 100 percent. the catholic church in every single feature film moving forward should be portrayed as villains that is my hot take well
1: he dies very violently i also
0: kind of thought that that was kind of amazing that um in this movie uh called the exorcist um about good versus evil and all that that the the, the the priest kind of gets his ass handed to him, and it is not God that saves the day, but rather um, the belief in oneself.
1: Not only, like, not one, not two, but three priests die in this movie, like, in pretty horrific ways.
0: Hmm. That's why they shouldn't have niddled so many boys. And on to the next thing. Uh <laughs> Come back to us. <laughs> Come back to us. You're here. It's, it's okay. okay. It's okay. okay, okay. Um, there's a roar where, like, oh, uh, yeah, that yeah, just yeah. kind of comes out of nowhere when Kinderman is first talking to patient X, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, He just roars and then is like, oh, wow, I do that pretty well. And it's it does not it,
1: line up at it, all. No, it doesn't yeah.
0: sync. The performance doesn't sync with the audio, and it just feels very. Very out of the blue, and I didn't didn't particularly like that. Um,
1: I wouldn't have known that that was even him had it not been for the line that he said, "I I did that very well." Yeah, like
0: I was honestly I agree like, with "Was that? that like when yeah. when they tacked on that line?" I was like, "Ooh, we could have done without that, and it yeah. would have been a little bit better." Yeah. Um. And then my last big big no no, and this is a problem that I do have with this movie is that it uh, fucking. Almost the entire, you know, third act is Exposition City. I mean, Exposition out the ass. Mm. It's just yeah. the Gemini killer talking and explaining and why and why and why. And Brad Dorff does fantastic with all this dialogue really that he's does. given. But it does just kind of start to feel like a two man play at that point rather mm. than this, you know, epic crime. Uh, drama that it should be. Um,
1: even the lighting, like, even the lighting when they're in his isolation cell, like, towards the end, I was like, this legitimately looks like a play.
0: Yeah, just the way it's set up, absolutely does mm-hmm. it. It very much feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think there's a great opportunity there for show, don't tell or Mm. show and tell at least instead of just having these two people talking as great as the performances are
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: we could do some flashbacks we can do a little bit of this a little bit of that um but that is you know a main staple in cinema is show don't tell and again this is uh william peter blatley who i do not believe had directed a picture before this maybe one maybe he directed one picture before this um But again, coming from uh, a writer's background, it's him showing his hand and leaning more towards Mm. a dialogue-heavy scene rather than a um, cinematic scene, as gorgeous as all the cinematography looks. Mm I have a couple of random thoughts, Uh, pies and anchovies like we talked about, Mm -hmm. and... um, Priests and doctors drinking and smoking, just like everyone is drinking and smoking. And this is the '90s. Like I feel like this. Is, yeah. <laughs> feel like like they were thinking it was the '70s still, and that was uh, definitely not the case. Um, it's the good old days. Any other? Uh, any other? Any other randoms? Things you want to talk about before we jump on on into the uh, the making of?
1: Well, I told you my very first note that I had was Hep, hip, hip, <laughs> Hep, 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 hip, 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 which is the rowers in like the very first 10 seconds of the film. Um, no. Um. think so
0: that's about it for you huh
1: uh, you know the only thing that i had was i love that in like the first half of the film you kind of forgot that you were watching a horror film like it felt more like you were watching a murder mystery kind of thing and then all of a sudden you remember that you're watching
0: oh absolutely a
1: horror film which i thought I it, it does
0: it does kind of lean into the police procedural yeah. element of it mm-hmm. all um out the gate which is uh which is really good, because it does, that horror stuff does end up kind of coming in really strong when it does hit. And yeah. And that's, that is really a lot of fun.
1: Like, I was not expecting, I think kind of the first scene where you, things really start to pick up were, was when um, the old lady is doing the confessional.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I didn't see that. Like, you kind of get a little bit of a feel for it when her voice, you hear her voice and you're uh-huh. like, oh, that's kind of creepy, I don't really like that. And then all of a sudden... You know, this priest is being murdered. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, you kind of forget for a second where you're at.
0: Well, that is going to wrap up our, um, you know, uh, general feelings about Mm -hmm. the film. So we're going to dive into the uh, development of the film. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And... um, Maybe get uh, shed a little bit of light on the history of this film. Great. <clears throat> Let's do it. All right. So, production. William Peter Bladley, who wrote the original Exorcist novel and the screenplay for its film adaption, initially had no desire to write a sequel. However, he eventually came up with a story titled Legion, featuring Lieutenant Kinderman, a prominent character in the original Exorcist novel, though he played a minor role in the eventual film. As the protagonist. Blatley conceived Legion as a feature film with William Friedrich, the director of The Exorcist, attached to direct. Despite the critical and commercial failure of the previous sequel, Warner Brothers was keen to proceed with Blatley and Friedkin's plans for another Exorcist film. Mm. Blatley said that everybody wanted Exorcist 3. I hadn't read the script, but I had the story in my head and Billy Friedkin loved it. Friedkin, however, soon left the project due to conflicting opinions between him and Blatley on film. The project went into development hell, and Blatley wrote Legion as a novel instead. Published in 1983, it was a bestseller. Blatley then decided to turn the book back into a screenplay. Film companies Morgan Creek and Caracalolo, oh, I can't say that word, mm-hmm. um, both wanted to make the film. Blatley decided upon Morgan Creek after Caracolo Caracalo, Car- <laughs> Car- Carolco, there we go. Not uh, <laughs> 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 suggested the idea of a grown-up Reagan deal giving birth to possessed twins. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> no blatley offered directorial responsibilities to john carpenter who liked the script see i didn't know that hey. however carpenter backed out when it became clear that blatley wanted to direct the movie himself and also because it created differences regarding the end of the movie despite this they remained friends as per the stipulations for his deal with morgan creek Blatley was to direct the movie himself and it would be filmed on location in Georgetown. What did I tell you? Filmed in Washington, D.C. Nice. Casting. The central role of Lieutenant Kinderman had to be recast as Lee J. Cobb, who played the part in The Exorcist, had died in 1976. Oops. Oscar winner George C. Scott signed up for the role, impressed by Blatley's screenplay. It's a horror film and much more. It's a real drama intricately crafted with offbeat, interesting characters, and that's what makes it genuinely frightening. Um, That is George C. Scott saying that right there, Mm. not me. Um, P.S. We are getting all of this from Wikipedia, so big thanks to anybody who has contributed to The Exorcist 3's Wikipedia page. We sure do appreciate you otherwise, there'd be a hell of a lot of research going on, and um, I don't want to do that. Ain't nobody got time for that, because we ain't getting paid for this shit. Thanks, Wiki. Um, <clears throat> several cast members from Vladdy's previous film, The Ninth, Comigur- Ninth Configuration, appear in The Exorcist 3. Jason Miller reprising his role as Father Damien Karius from The Exorcist, build only as Patient X in the end credits. Ed Flanders taking on the role of Father Dyer, previously played by William O'Malley and Nicole Nicole Williamson and Scott Wilson. There are also cameo appearances by a basketball player, Patrick Ewing, John Thompson, and model Fabio, ex-surgeon general C. Everett Koop, Television host Larry King and an early appearance by Samuel L. Jackson in the dream sequence. Uh, Zafra Lambert, who plays Kinnaman's wife, is remembered for her lead role in another horror film, Let's Scare Jessica to Death from
1: 1971.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, Words are hard.
0: They sure are. Um, since we just got done talking about the cast, let's try and run through some of these and maybe touch on... I feel like we really have kind of touched on everyone already so we can we can just burn through these really quick. Uh, George C. Scott as Lieutenant William F. Kinderman. Um, I got to give a shout-out to my buddy, Kalen Behrman, mm-hmm. who... Um, Originally showed me this film and uh, spoke insanely high of it, which is the reason I watched it. And there was a time when I was like, ah, yeah, but you know, it's like crazy that they, you know, it's a bummer that they couldn't do it with the original cast, you know, that they didn't have like the original actors in it, um, like Lee J. Cobb from the first one. And then Kalen looked at me and was like, can you imagine anybody else but George C. Scott? in this role. Mm. And I was like, no, there you go. (laughs) Um, so that's all I have to say about that. Um, Ed Flanders as father, Joseph Dyer. Um, great. So good. Oh yeah. So likable. Um,
1: made an impact even though he's only in like the first quarter of the film.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, father Dyer in the original film, um, this is a very likable person, but I just feel that that Ed Flanders just knocks it out of the park, and this one it does such a such a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Miller as Patient X, aka Damien Carris, you know coming back. Um, you know I think this is this is toward the end of his life, I believe, because um, Jason Miller was uh, uh, very 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 um, bad alcoholic,
2: mm.
0: and uh, I think a lot of his stuff had to be reshot and it was, they had to kind of shoot around um, with him with a lot of stuff because his alcoholism was so bad at this point, but still turns in a very fine performance all in all, I would say. Um, Scott Wilson as Dr. Temple. Scott Wilson. Uh, anybody who's a horror fan would know him as um, uh, well, he's from the walking dead i can't remember what the fuck his name is is he yeah he's uh the, the farmer what's the farmer's name
1: oh my fucking god yeah <laughs> he is um herschel
0: herschel yeah it? he's herschel yeah yeah
1: no shit
0: yeah
1: oh he's <laughs> got such pretty little eyelashes because he still has that when he's in uh-huh. uh, the walking dead he's yep. got those nice long eyelashes
0: yep. um you already talked about brad dwarf as the gemini killer mm-hmm. uh Uh, excellent in Chucky, uh, phenomenal, like arguably the MVP of the Rob Zombie Halloween uh, Mm. series as uh, uh, Sheriff Lee Brackett, best part of those movies, and I love those movies, but he is the best actor in those films and is also really great as Doc from... um, deadwood and a million other things Uh, i've met brad dorff he's a very very nice person and um yeah i don't know what else i can say about him except that uh chucky season two is premiering in october on usa and the sci-fi channel so check that shit out Hmm. um a whole slew of other people that are just kind of like a bunch of random ass characters in here apparently samuel jackson yeah now i remember sam jackson being in there um. He, yeah. Yeah. He he's, he, yeah. Sequence? He's in the dream sequence. Um. <clears throat> I don't know. There's anyone else that we really, really need to cover. Hmm. Um. Except maybe Nicole Williamson as Father Morning. That, just with his bleach blonde hair, looks fucking ridiculous. But, uh, um. Yeah. I think that probably about does it for the characters. I'm not going to spend too much time on that shit.
1: That guy, is he, there was somebody in the dream sequence that had, like, long, there was, like, a bleach blonde dude next to him, and there was No, no, guy the,
0: the, the, I was talking about the, the priest. The.
1: Oh, oh, the, yeah, 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 the one who.
0: The yeah. one who had the long hair is Fabio. Okay. Um. <clears throat> all right, so, jumping back to the behind-the-scenes of this film, I think we'll uh, we uh, might cover this right here and maybe take a break after this. And okay. yeah, um, okay. So here we go. With an eleven million dollar budget, the tentative, the tentatively titled Exorcist of Legion was shot on location in Georgetown for eight weeks in mid-1989. However, additional interior filming took place in DEG Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina. Blatley completed principal photography on of the film and only and of the film on time and only slightly over budget, excuse me. Uh, However, four months later, Morgan Creek informed Blatley that a new ending had to be shot. Blatley said that James Robinson, the owner of the company, his secretary had insisted to him that this has nothing to do with The Exorcist. There had to be an exorcism. So saying that that the film had nothing to do with The Exorcist, so there had to be an exorcism somewhere in there. 20th Century Fox put up an additional $4 million in post-production to film an effects-related exorcism sequence featuring Nicole Williamson as Father Morning, a character added just for the new climax. So everything with him was added after, after they had shot the original film. Hmm. <clears throat> Blatley had to make the best of it in the narrative while racing to complete the film. Blatley confirmed that when the possessed Kara speaks in an asexual voice, saying, "I must save my son, the Gemini," that is in fact that this is in fact either a return of Pazuzu or, as Blatley put it, old Scratch himself. Told you. Um. So, it's Pazuzu and or the devil Hmm. uh, taking control. This ties into the revelation earlier in the film that the Gemini was sent into Karis' body as a revenge for the Reagan-McNeil exorcism. Hmm. The altered voice in the climax is deliberately similar to Mercedes Cambridge who did the uncredited voice of the demon in The Exorcist. And the role is assayed in... The Exorcist 3 by Colleen Dewhurst, who I don't know if you remember Anne of Green Gables. Did you watch Anne of Green Gables? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um What's her name? What's her name in uh
1: Shut Up. Not the not the Ant.
0: The, whoever ends up taking her in. Um
1: No. Shut the fuck up. Uh,
0: what is her name in it? Um,
1: I, I don't know. I know exactly who you're talking about.
0: Oh, Marilla. Marilla Cuthbert. There we go. <laughs> Plays Marilla Cuthbert in Anne of Green Gables. Ah, uh, you'll God. never look at her the same way again. <laughs> uh, who was uncredited? Actress Dewhurst has twice married to and twice divorced <laughs> <laughs> actor George C.
2: Scott. No way! <laughs> oh, oh my
0: God. God bless him. Wow. Twice married, and so if they went for a third time, what do you think that would have looked like? Like <laughs> we're gonna do it again? Okay, God, what the <laughs> shit? Aww. Oh man, good for them. Uh, <laughs> who says you only find love once? Um, I hope they figure it out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're both dead. Shut so, up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I absolutely know they're both dead.
2: George C. Hope. Scott's
0: definitely dead, and she died. Only like a year after this movie was released. so are a there non-believer. You, go. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. One scene missing from the re climax, but which is, appears in the trailer, shows Karis slash the Gemini killer morphing through a variety of faces. It was left out of the film because Blatley was not happy with the special effects work. That's a mm. bummer because that sounds really cool. I know. Uh, on the climactic... s. Es- <laughs> exorcism scene blatley later said it's all right but utterly unnecessary and changes the character of the piece although at the time blatley told the press that he was happy to reshoot the film's ending and have the story climax with a frenzy of special effects apparently this was a compromise uh this apparently this compromise was forced on blatty against his wishes Uh, this is what he has to say about that The original story that I sold Morgan Creek and that I shot ended with Kinderman blowing away Patient X. There was no exorcism, but it was a Mexican standoff between me and the studio. Mm. I was entitled to one preview. Then they could go and do what they wanted with the picture. They gave me a preview, but it was the lowest end preview audience I'd ever seen in my life. They dragged in zombies from (laughs) Haiti to watch this film. It was unbelievable, but I decided I better do that. But I decided I. uh, But I decided better, excuse me. I should do it than anyone else. I foolishly thought I can do a good exorcism. I'll turn this pig's ear into the silk's purse. So I did it. Mm. Working on the film, Brad Dorf recalled, we really. We all felt really bad about it, but Blatley tried to do his very best under very difficult circumstances and i remember george c scott saying that all the folks would saying that the folks would only be satisfied if madonna came out and sang at the end (laughs) uh feels that the original version was a hell of a lot purer, and i liked it much more as it stands it's a mediocre film there are parts that have no right to be there The execution-style ending that Bladdy pitched to the studio, which was in the shooting script and actually filmed, differs radically from the ending of both the novel and the first screenplay adaption developed from the novel. Mm. The novel ends with the Gemini killer summoning Kinderman to his cell for a final speech, then willingly dropping dead after his alcoholic of christian evangelist father dies a natural death from a heart attack as his motive for killing was always to shame his father the gemini's purpose for remaining on earth no longer exists and he kills Karis in order to leave his host body
2: mm.
0: in blatley's original screenplay adaption the ending is similar to the novel, except that the Gemini's death is not self-induced but forced supernaturally and suddenly by the death of his father. In both novel and early screenplay, the Gemini's motives for his murders are also given further context via a long series of flashbacks that portray his and his brother's childhood and their relationship with their father.
1: There you go. There's my backstory. There's your backstory. Very nice.
0: So... All that said, I apologize for the lengthy amount of talking and if you can call that reading what I just did. Um, I think great. But, uh, yeah, the original film that they put together does not feature an exorcism. Now, I've seen both cuts because I have... um, I have... Uh, Blu-ray of the theatrical cut and a Blu-ray of the director's cut. I've seen both, um, and while I see what they're getting with at with the director's cut, it feels like some stuff is either not there, like they couldn't get everything from all the original footage. It just kind of ends.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It ends with um, Kinderman shooting karis and it just kind of feels like very abrupt. Yeah, and it doesn't quite have this this pathos. Um that you get with the theatrical cut of the film. Yeah. Um, can't quite put my finger on it and I'm sure maybe I need to rewatch it, but the, just as like a big fan of eighties horror, hmm. obviously this is filmed in the eighties released in the nineties. Um, that big effects laden ending just kind of satisfies that urge a little bit more. Yeah. Um, now, I understand kind of what they were doing with the, the character piece and all of that. It does – again, it's more like a play. That's kind of how it plays out, for lack of a better phrase. So um, I think the film that they ended up with is probably uh, more memorable,
2: mm-hmm.
0: if maybe not as grounded as they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, who am I to, to really – talk about that one way or another you know i I think
1: as an audience going into it i i probably personally would have been disappointed if there wasn't something along that same vein so i'm glad we got to see that
0: yeah um but yeah i think uh what what do you think we take a take a break and then we'll come back we'll talk about the reception of the film um the critical response and maybe dive into looks like we've got some director's cut stuff here and maybe talk a little bit about the novel in which it was based and then we'll give our uh, our final thoughts
1: Cool, sounds good to me boss
0: all right well uh i think that'll probably end up being uh the end of this first episode and we'll do a, a second episode after that so this is gonna be the johnny horror podcast uh signing off for this episode we just want to thank you guys so much for listening um, appreciate it and uh, be sure to tune in for the second part of the Exorcist 3 I am your host Johnny Horror and with me is Katie Mariska. my kid sister so uh, thanks for listening you sorry sons of bitches and we'll see you on the flip side <laughs>